Welcome back to Thrive, your agency resource. I have a question for you. What if you didn't actually look at your job as leading an agency? What if you looked at it as creating leaders? Today, I'm talking with Brandon Wilson, who's the CEO of Wilbron, a purpose-focused PR firm located in Birmingham, Alabama. He's a highly sought-after communications consultant, actually a New York Times scholar, and is the author of a book called Sabotage. Brandon, welcome to Thrive, my friend. I could not be more excited to have you and to talk with you today. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. So, I mean, we got to start somewhere, right? So sabotage is a really interesting word. How do you define sabotage? And talk maybe a little bit about how we need to broaden that definition. Whew, that's a, a big question to start I off with. And, I, and I'll do it in a way that's palpable uh, for those who are driving or maybe listening on the fly. And I'll start by, by talking about what I do. So what I do every day is I connect very talented leaders to doing really bold and audacious things. That's what I do every day. I wake up, a leader calls, and they say they, they want to do A. I say, no, we need to do A, B, C, and D. And this is how we get after it. Uh, and in that time, I've, uh, I've been a provided management consultancy to more than 100 college presidents. I've helped them build buildings on their campus, expand their campus enrollment, go from being a college to a university. Uh, I work with executives at Apple. And right now we're working uh, to with them to build an actual college campus, which I'm mm. really excited about. Uh, we're working with Yale professionals at Yale to get after global health disparities uh, in Canada, in the U.S., and in parts of Africa. And and what I've learned over my experience in helping to connect leaders to really powerful and bold pursuits is that there there are three types of leaders. You know, the first leader is the one who uh, who does what's instructed. And this is about leadership development too, about mm-hmm. who does what's instructed. They're given things to manage. Then there are the leaders who, or to lead within or to manage. Then there are the leaders who are giving things to manage within. And these leaders, they do things for the sake of getting them done. Like mm-hmm. I want to get it done. I got it done. I completed that checklist check. And a lot of people would probably drive and say, yeah, I'm a to-do lister. Like I'm a check boxer. I'm getting it done. And then there's another level of leadership, another level of leader who connects the things they have to get done, the things that they're responsible to, to a sense of urgency because they understand the consequences of them being successful or not being successful. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of the leaders that I engage with are those leaders. They understand that I have to fulfill this thing because I can make the world a better place mm-hmm. or the world might miss out on this or that if I am not successful. Right. And it's those leaders who start to have conversations with me about not just about what bold things I can do, but about the barriers that they either put in front of themselves or that are imposed upon them that stop them from getting after that bold pursuit. And this is sabotage. It's Mm. it's the activity is any activity that seeks to subvert, slow down, scuttle, confuse, frustrate you, your leadership and your pursuits all for personal gain. Mm. And it's all around us. That's, I mean, 
Thank you for bringing that full circle. That's a, an incredible definition of sabotage. It's a word that we don't use that often. So that's why it kind of, it's, it's memorable or remarkable because it's, it, it, it really just sticks out. Um, and so that's your definition of sabotage. And, and what is the, so with your work in the world, what is the broader definition that we actually have to start thinking about? Because I would imagine that this is a process. We have to train ourselves to sort of, sort of broaden this definition and understanding. You do. And it, that activity can be defined in a myriad of ways based on our own lives. And I want to give name to it or face to it. And, and these are the things that we typically think about. I'll start on that end of the spectrum. Okay. And then work myself to the part of the spectrum that we usually don't spend as much attention talking or focusing on. When we think about sabotage on the on the extreme end of the beginning end of the spectrum, that's really common. You we usually think about theft. Oh, somebody stole something from me. Mm-hmm. When we think about deceit, everybody's been lied to in their in their life. Uh, that's an act. Those are acts of sabotage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think about. Um, being betrayed. If you go down that, and so, oh, I've been betrayed. The part of the spectrum that we don't tend to think a lot about is the self-sabotage, the theft that we do to ourselves, Mm. the betrayal we do to ourselves, and the things we steal from ourselves. Uh, I have a a great story about that. Uh, And about about 2014 or so, I had a brilliant idea as we all do, right? I woke up and I was on fire. I said, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to start a grocery delivery service. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to start a technology that allows moms to shop for other moms. I'm going to do it. And I just came out of a, a, a bad business venture, which we'll learn about later on. And uh, I said, you know, bad business venture, be damn. I'm going to do this. So I woke up, I wheeled myself to writing a business plan. I found some supporters. I went to go talk to my attorneys. They say it's a brilliant idea. I hired a research firm to research the appetite, no pun intended, of people for a grocery delivery technology. Yep. And um, and as I was leaving that research group, the the person I was speaking with said, well, hold on, Mr. Brandon, give me, uh, there's another guy who is doing something similar to what you're trying to do. And he's struggling. Hmm. It's hard work. Oh, he got stuff all over his garage. He can't, he can't even move some of the stuff he's doing. Like it's horrible. Are you sure you want to do this? I think about that. I got in my car. It's like, of course I got in my car. And I said, am I sure I want to do this? (laughs) I go home, talk to my wife, and my wife said, well, listen, you know, you just got out of this bad deal. And are you sure we could take on this? And I was like, I don't know. Then I started talking to myself, and I told myself, what do I know about the grocery industry? Mm. Like, what do I know about tech, yeah. technology? What do I know about any of this stuff? And I taught myself out of pursuing the venture. I sabotaged myself. And it was because I saw myself as incapable. Mm -hmm. Like my Mm -hmm. self-perception of myself was someone who was incapable of doing. It was a self-limiting thought that I had. Yeah. Whereas at the same time across town in the same city, there was a guy uh, who uh, was a high school dropout uh, from a family of entrepreneurs. 
who had the same idea. His name is Bill Smith. And he started this company, grocery delivery service. He didn't see himself as incompetent or incapable. He saw himself as a winner Uh and he did it. He got it done right down the street, literally 10 miles away from my house. So he got it done. And you may have heard of that company. That company that he started is called Shipped. Uh, it sold in about tw- 2017 or so to to Target uh, for $500 million. Oh my God. Uh, and I was in a private meeting with the chairman and CEO, uh, Brian Cornell of, of Target. And he stood if, at that meeting and he said, you want to know why I bought shipped? You want to know why I did it? And everybody was like, why? He said, because I thought it was revolutionary that there was a technology that would allow moms to shop for other moms. I was like, God, dog, that's my idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I stole $500 million from myself. Mm. And we Look, rarely talk about that. that I, part love that reframe. I love yeah. that reframe. I love that reframe. I mean, this is a negative reframe, but I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's stole. And, and we steal all kinds of opportunities from ourselves. Mm, mm. And if we start to realize the forces within us, there are forces external. People do betray, steal, and, and, sure. and deceive us. But when we start also looking at the betrayal, theft, and deceit that we do to ourselves, that self-sabotage, yeah. we'll start to read the forces in our lives that stop us from achieving our best lives. Yeah. So, so kind of building on this, like, yes, there are internal and external factors idea. In the book, you talk about the the four horsemen of sabotage or saboteurs. Can you talk a little bit about those? Because I think that's a, a good place to kind of <laughs> yeah, get the conversation yeah. going. Well, I appreciate uh, that segue. You know, the, the reason I wrote the book, and, and then I'll get into the four horsemen of sabotage, yeah. is because I started to speak with leaders, as I said earlier, who were really high powered. But then I start to speak to leaders who are are, are not building campuses. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're just leading families, mm-hmm. um, which is an, a, a monumental leadership pursuit. They're, they're, they're starting businesses with this a monumental thing. And it may be mm-hmm. a solo practitioner, which is a monumental thing to do. Uh, or they're just being a, a, a role model for, for, their, for their children. Mm-hmm. And every one in every three leaders that I spoke with had their own story of sabotage and they didn't share it with anybody. Uh And I said, and I start to ask in my research for writing the book, why, why aren't you talking about this? And they instantly talk about how embarrassed they were. Yeah. Mortified. That's the word that comes for me. Mortified. Uh, It weighed on them. They had to sweep it under the rug, not put a light on it. Because of course, this couldn't be happening to anybody. And if you're, if, if somebody in your audience is one of one of those people, it's happening to everybody. Mm-hmm. That's the message I want you to know. Totally. So you can talk about this thing. And what I also realized is that even less people, uh, you know, who were were prepared with the tools needed to overcome sabotage or to see sabotage before it happens. Uh And so the analogy that I like to give is, is that when something physically breaks, let's say an airplane doesn't fly, there there are mechanisms inside of that airplane that stop it from propelling forward. And Mm -hmm. it's, and it's, it's sabotaged 
that airplane because the airplane now cannot do what it is purposefully built to do. Right. Your refrigerator, if an engine goes and it sabotage that and it won't make anything cool, it sabotages the purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, there are things in and around our lives that we could also look to that seek to sabotage us maximizing or even realizing and fulfilling the purpose that we're built to do. Mm-hmm. And, and there are four of them. We call these four horsemen of sabotage. And these four horsemen are identified to give you the eyes, the lenses to see betrayal, theft, and deceit before it impacts your leadership pursuit. Mm-hmm. And not in any particular order, but the first is jealousy. Uh, if if you yourself are a jealous person, <laughs> or if you see people around you who are jealous, and I'll define what jealousy is, and, and though and that is uh, a hatred disguised as anything but. Mm. It is a loathing to see someone else win, and it is also a mentality that says that the pie is fixed. That if you gain a yard, I've lost a yard. Mm. And if you if you find yourself surrounded by those folks, then there's a there's a set of sabotage set of sabotage that follows that horseman. Mm -hmm. And and the book details the kind of activities that come with that horseman. But even more, what you can do to protect your leadership and your leadership journey from those activities that's powered by the horseman of jealousy. Mm hmm. I really like this. Uh, I just want to pause here for a second because it's almost like if you use the the analogy of of love or being in a relationship, right? It's like there's there's an infinite amount of love available, mm-hmm. right? And so if I love one person, it doesn't mean that there's less love for other people, right? Yeah, that's I right. Mean, that's so right. It, I think what's important about these these terms and like how we're applying them to personal and business is being able to kind of um, jump back and forth and oscillate back and forth between how does this apply in business? Um, when I view a competitor as like stealing all my clients, <laughs> right? Well, there are is, clients everywhere. There are clients everywhere. And, and that other agency might have been a better fit for them. You don't actually know what the inner workings are, right? Like that's right. focus on yourself. There's plenty to go around. Anyway, go ahead. That's right. That's right. No, that's a great, some great background. Let's face it, agency life looks very different than ever before. Remote and hybrid teams need better tools to help them communicate and access files, track their time, manage client budgets, and more. If you believe that it's time to streamline things once and for all, Workamajig is the all-in-one agency management platform built to help you do just that. Head over to workamajig.com forward slash thrive to learn more. Back to the show. The other horsemen is arrogance. Mm. Uh, And arrogance needs no introduction. Uh, There are people who we lead, people we work with, who have a a resistance to training or to (laughs) corrective insights or to critical, uh, um, you know, critical insights about how they can be better or constructive. Or feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Or feedback in any way. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, And these folks who are arrogant are literally not self-aware, right? I mean, they're, they're highly curated and they care about themselves, but they lack vision of themselves in a particular environment. Mm -hmm. And that lack of vision positions them as a horseman 
to do activities with lack of concern about the impact that it has on everybody else. Less empathy. That's right. Less empathy. Mm -hmm. These folks are positioned to be defiant as employees and defiance is an act of sabotage, is an activity that seeks to frustrate, slow down what you're after for selfish gain. So mm-hmm. employee defiance is an act of sabotage that's that's driven and fueled by the horsemen of arrogance. Mm. The third horseman is lying. Um, and there are different levels to lying. There's those who lie to say, don't look at me so that I can continue to operate in the way that I like to operate. Okay. And then there's also a, a level of lying that lies to, in, to harm others mm-hmm. that literally says, oh, that person did A, B and C, go and get them. You know, my CEO did A, B, and C, go and get him or her, you know, like go get them. And and, and so lying is a horseman. So whenever mm. you find someone around you or the force of lying around or dishonesty around you, there's a set of activity. And and the last is seduction. Mm. Uh, seduction is an incredibly uh, captivating horseman uh, because it thrives in uh, it's joy. People who who are seducers uh, find great pleasure in getting you to come along their journey to doing things that may skirt really close to the lines of ethics. Mm. Uh, they really don't care about uh, whether or not the the means or the end is justified by the means. Right. And, and it's not really about doing something that's unseemly or doing something that's unethical or doing something that's close to unethical. Their pleasure is convincing you to come along with them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they have a lot of tactics that they wield to get you to say, yes, I want to come along on this journey. Is this sort of like the, the thing that comes up for me when you're saying that is like challenging integrity or yeah. challenging yeah, my it. own values? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, 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 and one of the things that tactics that they use is they'll say, listen, if we're successful in this, when I get that next promotion and become the senior account director at my agency, I'm going to bring you along and put you in yeah. my division. Yeah. <laughs> when the, I become the, the creative janglers. director, <laughs> yes, you're coming with me and right. we keep doing it again. But the, but the end of that ruse always, always ends in that person who, have been, who has been seduced becoming the fall person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, at yeah. the end of the day. And so- we can we we could think about those four horsemen of sabotage as canaries in the coal mine, but it's also important to think about them also as things that we can inflict on others. And right. so we also have to be very self-aware. Or or to add to a third one is things that we we unknowingly are doing to ourselves or or practicing within ourselves. That's right. That's right. right. That's right. So Absolutely. It's, it's internal. It's internal, it's external, but the external could go toward other people or toward us, right? That's right. That's There's right. No, three different ones. It's so interesting. Like as you're talking, I'm like, oh my God, this whole, it's like, it's, it, it started out as like a little nebulous. And now I'm like, oh, wow, this is really, really fascinating because it, oh, the way you. that you talked about it was like, oh, these type of people, but actually it's even greater than that. That's right. That's right. right. It's, it's more than I call them forces, forces, uh-huh. forces within our lives and around our lives mm-hmm. that we need to protect ourselves against. Mm-hmm. And, and the question is, is why? Like, why does it matter 
as a leader, and I call the, protecting your leadership from sabotage, I call it a leadership discipline. Mm-hmm. In the same way as we call a, lead, a leadership discipline to be a reader or a learner or to be resilient uh-huh. or to be a great communicator, we also need to also be very masterful when it comes to protecting our leadership pursuits from sabotage. And if you think about it in this way, uh, and I hope this is an aha moment for, for those listeners and viewers who might be on the fence thinking that sabotage has little to do with me, <laughs> is that every mentor that we've ever had, every strategist that has ever gone and had astro- astronomical success mm. were those people who we call wise. But they are wise because they are adept at building a leadership journey toward doing really big and audacious things with as little barriers as possible. Mm -hmm. They know how to protect their pursuits from the forces of sabotage. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of examples from this. I like to start with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was a persistent target for sabotage. Sure. He's a womanizer. He's he's an absentee husband. He's 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 not ethical. He he's in over his head. And if he allowed those saboteurs, whether they be the federal government, which is well documented to be successful, then we would literally we would have a different world than we have today. Absolutely. Another leader is Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was a victim of sabotage. He hired a guy named John Scully from Pepsi Company to be a CEO while he went out and focused on building the Mac, uh, the, the iMac. <laughs> I mean, and and his whole pursuit was not the iMac. His pursuit was figuring out a way to put the computer in the palm of our hands. Mm-hmm. Scully just wanted to be a CEO of an innovative company. And ego. Steve was in his way. Yeah. It was ego. It was all he, he was in his way. So he effectively got Steve Jobs fired from the company he started. Mm-hmm. And think about that. I mean, yeah. think about it. What was in Steve Jobs' second act was fueled by a leadership discipline that we don't talk enough about. And that is the ability to know who was for him and who was against him within his pursuit. Mm-hmm. And he knew how to protect all of his pursuits from all of those forces that we just talked about of sabotage. He actually called what Scully did to him betrayal. Mm-hmm. And it's because he understood how to overcome that leadership sabotage that we now have the iPhone, that we now have these incredible cameras on these phones, that we right. now have this incredible MacBook Pros, that we now have all of this in technology. But even more than the technology, Steve Jobs proved himself, just as Martin Luther King Jr. did, proved themselves to be that third kind of leader that we talked about earlier. They refused to be deterred or stopped because they married the things that they were after to the consequence it can have or bear on the world around us. If they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If they didn't, if they didn't succeed, the same with Mahatma Gandhi, the same with Thomas Edison, the same with uh, uh, JP Morgan, they, they viewed whether you agree or not, they mm-hmm. view their leadership journey as consequential. Mm. That's a word that we don't marry with leadership enough. Mm-hmm. What they're doing and what your audience members are doing 
have incredible consequence. Mm -hmm. And whenever we allow sabotage to interrupt our leadership, we're allowing those saboteurs to rob our worlds of the gifts of our leadership. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. And it, I wouldn't even call this like a reframe, but I do think that there's some kind of mindset shift here where, you know, in in one in, in like shadow work we call like a, a 180. What is yeah. the um what is the what is the benefit that I would have missed out on had I not gone through this traumatic experience, right? And what That's we're right. saying here is like you know, from a leadership perspective, what is the potential negative impact? How, if I don't pursue this to the best of yes. my ability, right? Yes. I really, yes. really like that. So as we start to wrap up, I'd love to kind of talk about, um, you, you mentioned um, interruption, right? So if we, <laughs> if we have this idea of uninterruption or uninterrupted, right? How do we actually catch it? all of these, the four horsemen, how do we catch ourselves before they interrupt our lives and disrupt our lives and potentially destroy any um, opportunity for us to find that success? Yeah, this is a great place to end um, because I want to share a personal story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's a great uh, author that said, you know, to, to first write a book, you must first become the book. <laughs> and, and, and I I'm not just espousing what what I what I've read in a book. I've lived and survived and overcome sabotage. So for all your audience members, uh, it happened uh, before 2014, around 2012 or so. Uh, I I said, listen. The abbreviated part of the story is that we're gonna I'm gonna grow my agency, and I'm gonna grow it by acquisition. I'm gonna buy other agencies, uh, and I got a phone call from a good friend of mine who said that there was one of the oldest agencies in America. Uh, was interested in selling, and and they put us to put me together with their chairman and CEO, and we had a great relationship. He was gregarious. He was incredibly well connected. Uh, I allowed myself to be put into a mentor mentee relationship with him. He was a very older, stately uh, gentleman, and uh, and 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 because of that uneven relationship, uh, and because the prospects of doing that business deal would make me millions of dollars, I pursued even against good advice. And one of the bad pieces of advice I, I got was to set up an asset sale prematurely where we would set up a third entity and then our monies would start going to that third entity. Mm. Uh, I started putting money, sending clients, putting things into this third entity all under while doing due diligence, all against my advice, advice of legal counsel. And about a year into this ruse, uh, I get a call from my attorney and he says, Brandon, you got to come to my office. And he showed me a, a UCC check and, and that third entity never existed. Oh. And he said, Brandon, where is your money going? He's taking your money. And so we filed separation documents. We moved. And this is when that person revealed themselves as a saboteur. Uh, I remember taking the documents to him or sending them over to him. And, and, and we had a conversation and it went like this. He said, Brandon, I know you said you're going to stop giving me my money, but I'm going to keep taking it. And if you don't continue to give me my money, um, I'm going to kill your wife. That's what he said. I'm going to kill your wife. And he leans back in his chair and this bully says, I'll tell you how I'm going to do it. Oh, my God. I'm going to call the buddies at the chief at the police department at the the 
at the attorney's general office and I'm going to call have all these trumped up charges against you. And if they come and arrest you, I know you can get out because you got my money. He said, sort of half jokingly. He said, but what I'm really after is the mugshot. I want to give you a mugshot so I can send it all around town to have you blackball. But this is how it's going to kill your wife. It's going to kill your wife because she's going to have to look in the mirror every day and look at her friends every day and know that they know that she's married to a crook. Do you want that kind of life, young man? Wow. And I got up and I walked away and I fought. I punched the bully back and I survived seven, nearly $700,000 later. But it was though that experience that made me realize how, how persistent uh, sabotage is. And it led me on a journey to talk with other folks about how, Mm. um, how, how evasive, um, sabotage is as well. And there are two things that we can do that can stop us from being victims of sabotage in in closing. One of those is to always lead with integrity, Mm. even if it means that we have to stand alone. Never run with the crowd. I mean, just lead with integrity. And the other thing to stop self-sabotage, the the power pellet for stopping self-sabotage is to harness and curate a positive self-identity. View yourself as a winner, view yourself as a fighter, view yourself as a finisher, and then you will do those things. And self-sabotage will have less of an effect on you, your pursuit to offer your gift of leadership to the world around you. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story, by the way. Um, what are two things that you do to cultivate that that practice, that internal self-love, self-caring that you're talking about? I, I do business at the speed of relationship, oh. not the speed of transaction. Whew. I do it all the time. I mean, that is a thing for me that... You know, if and, and the speed of business is really fast. And so we want to run, 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 run. Oftentimes in doing that, we we invite what we call vendors into our lives. Oh, the, the bad V word. <laughs> you said the V word on my podcast. Yeah, we, we invite the vendors into our lives and we negate opportunities to develop partners in our mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Like and, and so there is a there is an equation and, a, and an approach inside of the book for how to do business at the speed of relationship. Love this. And the other thing that I do is, is I curate a, a power circle. It is a small circle of people who are not there because there's a contract or because, you know, I, I, they gain something from it, but they, and they're, they're more than mentors. They, they sow into your leadership lives and you to theirs and they would be there if your lights dimmed, if you're not famous, if you uh, if, if all of a sudden you didn't have that influential position. And these are the people who who ultimately will see and call out your blind spots. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's in those blind spots is that sabotage and saboteurs you typically live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a great example of that in closing is that as we become elevated within our companies, we become more, more vulnerable to sabotage because we're in a place where we don't understand everything, but mm-hmm. there are people who are already in those divisions or in those departments that we're leading or in those work functions that we're, who do understand 
how to get things done. And so it's important to have a small power circle around you who can always point out those blinders that saboteurs so often look for for your as your vulnerabilities. Amazing. Thank you for sharing those. Those are two really powerful pieces. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for sharing your story. And I will put notes uh, or links to the book and to your website in the show notes. Thanks again. Uh, It's been an honor. Thank you, Kelly. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.